In today's episode, we're joined by Liz Cresso, a seasoned expert with over two decades of experience in the e-commerce space. Liz runs an influential e-commerce and life shopping agency and has her finger on the pulse of everything from health and beauty to fashion and food and beverages industries. Today, Liz will be sharing her insight on the dynamic landscape of e-commerce, discussing the integration of content and e-commerce, and revealing the secrets behind successful life shopping events and e-commerce strategies. Whether you're an e-commerce entrepreneur, a seasoned brand owner, or just curious about the future of online shopping, this episode is packed with valuable insight. So sit back, relax, and let's get ready to explore the fascinating world of e-commerce with Liz Grissel. Welcome to the Ecom Pulse, your heartbeat to the world of e-commerce. I'm your host, Eitan Kotter. Join us as we meet with industry leaders, marketing experts, and the innovative minds behind the tech that is shaping the e-commerce future. So plug in, gear up, and get ready for a pulse-pounding journey into the heart of e-commerce. Hi, Liz. How are you? Welcome to the show. Good, good. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's uh, wonderful. Uh, thank you for, for your time. Uh, it's a pleasure having you here at the show. Uh, we've been discussing quite a while, and I know you're one of the, the experts in e-commerce, you know, spending 20 years of experience, doing a variety of things. You saw a lot of implementation, a lot of successes, and a lot of failures. So please uh, share with the audience you know, who you are, what are your expertise and what are you working on these days? Sure. So I run an e-commerce and live shopping agency. I've spent 20 years in the e-commerce space. You know, the biggest um, industries that I focus on are um, health and beauty, fashion and accessories, food and beverage, a little bit of media, a little bit of finance. But part of the reason is... Um, that we don't focus on a specific industry is because most of the problems are the same, right? Everybody wants to increase lifetime value, mm -hmm. average order size, you know, work on retention. But um, we also have a live shopping arm within our company. So we focus on things like content development, platform selection, platform integration, hosting behind the camera, not in front of the camera, uh, okay. as well as the postmortem. But um, in terms of the agency, we focus on e-com strategy, subscription, loyalty, um, basically making sure people don't leave money on the table. Yes, yes. And But I'm really interested to know you better. And what's your story? Everyone has a story. So what got you into the e-commerce space? Oh, probably shopping. <laughs> But um, yeah, in general, I mean, You know, I started out in the in the media industry and media entertainment, and there was a uh -huh. lot of product going on there. So I started out with subscriptions on product, and that's sort of like wet my appetite for it. And when I originally focused in media, while it was focused on the e-commerce aspect, I saw what was happening in the media industry, and it wasn't moving as fast as it had been. Like for a long time, it was driven by a lot of the new technologies. Yeah. And e-commerce as itself, you know, you started to see what was happening with like AI and machine learning. I'm talking like a number of years ago. I know AI mm -hmm. is like the new buzzword, but like, let's face yeah. it, it was, it was there a number of years ago. Um, so with regard to AI, um, you know, I started to look at that and like all the database marketing and, you know, CRM today, but it was called database marketing back then. And mm -hmm. I thought it was really exciting where the e-commerce industry was going because it reminded me back in the heyday of media about like with all these new technologies and driving it from the consumer 
standpoint. So that's sort of, you know, I went from the subscription, you know, into that, like started to focus more and more on the actual uh, merchandising of items. Yes, yes. I think we share the same background, right? So I am also, you know, started my career in the media and entertainment sector and, right, and uh, this is a, was an amazing area of growth. Uh, we always thought and discussed when commerce will merge with media, right, and entertainment. So currently we see that content providers are becoming you know, e-commerce players and e-commerce players are becoming content uh, players, right? So there is a merge of entertainment right. and commerce and it's kind of, uh, you know, now, now probably 2024 is going to be like a major year for the integration of these these domains right this is also things that you your experience from from your end yeah so i like you know i am a huge fan of the integration of content and commerce i've always been a major supporter of this you know way Mm -hmm. back when when i was working in um you know media entertainment on the television i never understood why when we're watching like a cooking show that they weren't merchandising like oh you know emero could sell his knives or his pans or something like that mm-hmm. um and you know there was a real separation of like, church and state at that point like you weren't allowed to do those types of things but from an online perspective it made more sense and i always talked about it as you know if you watched um if you watched um any of like the news networks you had the content and commerce uh sorry the content on content overlay Right. Yes. And then you had like the QVCs of the world with the commerce mm-hmm. on commerce overlay. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but why wouldn't you have the content of commerce? Like you have both of those overlays and they weren't yes. doing it from like the television. This is like where it started. Right. It wasn't quite internet yet. Yes. Um, and then on the internet, you're like, well, okay. That, I mean, this makes sense. You're already doing it from an advertising perspective. Like it's all on the same screen. Why not mm-hmm. move to the commerce? So, but I think now, I mean, why not? I think, um, you know, commerce is really, about storytelling in a lot of ways, right? It's, but it's also the solution. And if people don't understand those links, like, I don't think you could just throw out a product and not give context around it. This is like, this is the big piece for me. It's it's the okay. reason why content and commerce have to merge. There, there mm-hmm. has to be context, particularly, you know, less so for other audiences, definitely for American audiences. Like it depends on where you are in the globe. There's, but mm-hmm. American audiences absolutely need context. Yes. So so you see on mobile, I think it's specifically on this subject, right? We need to differentiate probably between big screens and mobile yeah. screens, right? So you see TikTok as an entertainment, initially as an entertainment platform, then as a search platform, now as a shopping platform, trying to push, you know, U.S. consumers to purchase right. uh, via, via shoppable video. On yeah. the other hand, you see Netflix, you know, Disney, Amazon Prime, you know, trying to leverage retail media and sell right. inventory of advertising. How do you differentiate between those two? I, I guess it's like a totally different experiences also in terms of the purchasing so, journey. I know, you know, I, I know this is going to sound controversial because a lot of people <laughs> are really bullish on TikTok, but for me, um, I don't see it yet. I'm not saying they don't have the eyeballs and I'm not saying they're not going to figure it out. My problem with it is that it's a discovery platform, right? It was built um, for discovery. And even if it's product discovery, we don't have the same experience as, say, a standalone live shopping Mm -hmm. experience, right? Because those were built with e-commerce in mind. 
TikTok was not built that way. So they're layering it on top. It's one of the reasons mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of the other social media platforms have failed with regard to it. It is not a great experience. It is not that same seamless experience. Yes. Will TikTok figure it out? I mean, they have a lot of dollars, so I'm not saying they're not going to figure it out right now. I don't think they're quite there. Um, you know, they're they're leaning on a lot of um, a lot of folks who are outside of the company to help um, bring value to mm-hmm. their consumer. So, so I don't think it's there yet. I have a theory that at some point in time, they may acquire someone like one of the live shopping <laughs> platforms integrated. And that's, okay. that's what I think, but um, it is different versus, you know, we look at the live shopping platforms at, you know, the standalone, they were built with e-commerce in mind and they are built with the, you know, the content commerce and community all yes. on the same screen at the same time, which is a very different experience than if you go on a social media platform, mostly because, you know, what are we dealing with? We're dealing with mobile. Most people are using it on mobile. The screen size is a little bit of, you know, there's a little bit of limitation there, but also yes. because they don't have that back end. They don't have that back end piece, right? Of e-commerce. You have to send them elsewhere. That's yes. Exactly. And I think we need to differentiate in this context between live shopping events, which is which is a certain type of an event, to a you know, short form, vertical videos, 30 seconds, 60 seconds. I think on the shoppable video, you know, vertical videos, this is I think we see an explosive right. growth, right? Of content creation, creativity, conversion are increasing, ROAS right, are improving. Live shopping is a, something pro- totally different, right? Maybe like a longer form type of, a, of an event. Maybe right, more polished, right. right? Initiated by uh, probably the brands. So let, let's talk about you know the live the live shopping aspect and probably what do you see uh, is working today in the industry with live shopping? Whether and and, and just referring okay. to things like who 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 which host to select, uh, who should run the event, how do you build up to towards the event? What are the some of the best practices that you see in successful live shopping? Events. So we're talking about live shopping, actually, like yes. long form. At the yes. Point. Okay. Yes. Correct. Um, just to be clear, so I think first and foremost, again, because American audiences, like, well, in general, I think people need more context, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I always say, like, in China, because they're used to just um, you know product after product after product. That is not yes what's here. Um, elsewhere, um, other communities need the context. So if we're thinking about that. First and foremost is like, what are your goals, right? Is it sales? Is it brand engagement? Are we doing email capture? Like, what are the goals? And then thinking mm-hmm. about what are content themes that uh, we might work around. And, okay. you know, for example, it is winter now here where I am in in New York. We just got a major snowstorm. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we're thinking about winter and we're thinking about maybe five ways to weather you know, winter skin, it might Mm -hmm. be, it's February, today is Valentine's Day, maybe it's about something about heart health. It's what could you do either from a calendar basis or something that would make sense for your brand and build a program around it? You know, um, what are other products that might have, you know, be adjacent, either your own or collaborations, bring Mm -hmm. those in. Um, That's like on the content piece. In terms of, you know, the platform piece, it's always, I mean, you know, as well as I do, um, you know, mm-hmm. and you have a, you have a wonderful platform, but you know, all the platforms have different, you know, features and functionality and is your team technical? Is your team not technical? How mm-hmm. many people do you have running it? So um, besides there's a few like different bells and whistles with the different platforms, 
But then when we talk about the event itself, um, the event is an event like any other. It needs to be marketed to. I, I, I get asked this question all the time. They're like, oh, so how do people find our event? I'm like, how would they find any other event? <laughs> you know, so, yeah. yeah, you need to market it. Like you need to go out, you know, yeah. on your, you know, emails, like, prom- you know, if you have stores, promote it in your stores, like, you know, put something in their bag mm-hmm. when they leave um, on your socials, et cetera, um, across your site. These are all the places like you need to market it. You need to tee it up. It's great if you can have some sort of RSVP system, remind people right before an event starts. Mm-hmm. Some of the platforms have that built in. Others don't that you need to do on your own, you know, like um, Clavio, Omnisend, et cetera. Um, that's really important. Um when you think about who's hosting, I get asked this question all the time about influencers hmm. versus not. So it depends on what your goal is. If your goal is brand awareness, yes, by all means, go ahead, go to an influencer. However, I've talked to a lot of the different platforms. A lot of the platforms have said the influencers don't perform as well from a conversion standpoint, which we know in general, mm-hmm. because we don't go to influencers for conversion in general. When we do social media campaigns, we know that's not what it's about. And this is why right. the networks don't guarantee um, conversion. They guarantee impressions. So there's a mm-hmm. difference. The reason I'm such a huge advocate of going you know, back to brand, like, who are your employees? Like, are they, you know, if they're passionate and can go in front of the camera and not because they're beautiful. The point is everyone who, who t- tunes in wants to know whether or not um, you know, that person can answer their questions. That's really what it's about. So they're not looking at like what that person looks like. They're okay. saying, Hey, I need to know whether this skin cream is going to work for me, specifically yes. me, not a demographic, not a psychographic me. And, and now so I want they need to know it now. Yeah. 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 It's so important. It's so important. So like, or, you know, any of your brand evangelists, you have like a fan base who you can bring up like on the screen, etc. Like those are people who are going to help from a, um, a sales standpoint. And mm-hmm. it's also good. You know, I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about the postmortem. What happens after the event? You know, did people miss the replay? Um, was there an item they looked at during the event? Can you remarket that item to them? Can yes. you, you know, send the replay? What do you do with that? Can you have a replay on your site to help get other people who might've missed the event? So all of that is really important as well from a best mm-hmm. practice. And, and, I always say to people, it's not one and done. You have to do a number of these, see what resonates with your audience. Different themes may resonate. Different formats may resonate. You have to do a few. You have to constantly tweak. Um, So, you know, maybe something, maybe 10 minutes is your sweet spot. You know, for other people, that may be 20. Um, Maybe collaborations work better for your brand. Like you have to play with it. So Mm -hmm. you can't, you can't judge this based off of one. But I always say, what's the worst that happens. You have you you have great content. You can clip down, put on your socials, put across your yep. site, product pages. That's the mm-hmm. worst that can happen. That's yes. the worst, which is still pretty good. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, okay, great. So, Liz, thank you for this uh, valuable information about live shopping. I know a lot of brands are trying. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, there are also variety of production scripting. You know, challenges out there. Uh, but definitely the, the strategy and the implementation and the build up to the event should be also uh, more uh, being, being planned professionally. Also, the product should have like, you know, interesting promotion uh, element like a you know, discount or some some like yeah. introduction or it's a mix of a lot of things. 
I believe it should be, a, you know, in the strategy of any brand. But uh, again, together with short form videos, which is obviously anyone is doing, you know, these days, you're trying to promote. And I like the right. distinction between, as you said, you know, influencers are good for impression, impressions and, you know, brand owners or brand advocates are very, very good for conversion. So that's a very, 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 very nice summary of this topic. I want to go, to go back to the e-commerce side of things, yeah. right? I know you've been doing this for many, many years and you have a perspective of, of how things are evolving. What do you see now in the market in terms of, uh, you know, brands trying to scale up in their businesses, improve processes, supply chains, you know, backend, frontend? What are the major you know, you know, challenges you see, uh, you know, brands are facing these days? I think, you know, I mean, the major change that we're seeing is with AI and how people are using AI. Mm -hmm. um, so even though it's been around for a little bit, um, where I'm really seeing it happen now is people are using it for product imagery. I mean, this is like fantastic yeah. to do, like where you can create, like, say you're a food brand, you can create pictures for your recipes mm -hmm. um, uh, or change some of the product imagery, like the backgrounds you wanted at a beach or along those lines. I mean, this is really fantastic. So I do love it for that. Um, mm -hmm. And I see people using it for ideation. Um, I think the, The other thing that I would say that is really important now is I'm finally seeing more and more people starting to go into like their customer logs to see like, yes, they're looking at data and they're looking at conversion, but they're not looking at what's coming in. Like, what are the complaints? Um, mm -hmm. You know, what are the questions that they're getting over and over again? Because again, I always, one of the things that is like my biggest pet peeve is when people put major product attributes in the, if, in the FAQs. If you are going to the FAQs, you do not do a good job of, of describing your product okay. and how it's going to be a solution <laughs> yeah. for me. Like that is such yeah. a bad, that's such a mm -hmm. bad way to go. But I see that happen all the time. But you need to be checking out, like, what do customers need? What are they looking for? What are they not finding? Like you, they may tell you, say you're a clothing manufacturer and you don't have plus size mm -hmm. or something. And, and plus size people are continually asking, say, I love your stuff. I wish you had bigger sizes there's a market opportunity for you. Are you paying attention yes. to that? Are you mm -hmm. paying attention to the wording customers are using? How are you reflecting that messaging on your website? I don't think there's enough of that being done. I think okay. they're looking strictly at their like, you know, Shopify analytics and what are the conversions and who's doing card abandonment is like, okay, but maybe we can, you know, improve some of those numbers. It's not all technical, right? It's not, it's not all technical piece. Like maybe everything functions beautifully on your site. Mm -hmm. But like if you're not having the right marketing message, there because they can't find what they need. Either your stuff is hard to find, doesn't use the right language, isn't um, illuminating the solution for them. Okay. Or attach or, you know, uh, evoking an emotional need. Like if it's an emotional type of purchase, mm -hmm. that's a problem. So like, that's why I think it's really important to look at, uh, you know, customer, customer fees. Like where is that coming in across your socials, across like the questions, the customer service, et cetera. Yes. So everything that you just mentioned is we can, you know, wrap it up in under the title of let's say optimization, customer journeys. I mean, it's also involved the content, right? I, I you you also get involved in all these decisions, you know, as as Lisa's strategy. I mean, going to the you know, defining customer journeys, content, optimization obviously of website. Yeah, UX and UI is so important and that journey, I think mm -hmm. um, you know, where I see people fall down all the time is getting cute with their navigation, um, you know, putting in words that aren't 
you know, natural saying things like shop when really that doesn't help you from an SEO standpoint. Right. So, um, we see that, we see that error all the time, or even just on the, you know, the hero image, they have a tagline and it's really, if you know, you know. And so what if I'm uninitiated to the brand? I don't know what you're, what you do. And mm-hmm. I always tell people, I'm like, think of the paths that people have before they come to your site, right? Like they're coming to either purchase directly because they know you, they've been there before they have, you know, okay. they are doing research because they just found out about you. So you need to tell them. So like, if I'm in that second bucket, right? Um, mm-hmm. Are you making it clear what you do and what you sell and what your benefits are? Like, you know, that hero image needs to orient me when I'm yep. hitting your site. Right. So, and then like the last piece would be like, you know, is it a customer service issue in some way, shape or form? And are those paths clear? Um, But, you know, I think, you know, you and I had talked about this before. And one of the things that I see all the time is people want to have these really beautiful sites and not that you shouldn't, you should have a beautiful site Mm -hmm. and inviting. The challenge is that a lot of times that comes at the cost of conversion. So there needs to be a happy medium I see it more often with fashion and beauty because there's an aesthetic that they want to communicate. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it's compromising the conversion, right? You know, if we want to have everything on the site like the same color, then we don't have our call to action buttons looking different where it's calling me to action. Like that's yes. the point. It's supposed to stand out. Yes. So so I see this conflict all the time with those industries, not with everyone, but a lot of like it happens or we're having beautiful images, you know, beautiful mm-hmm. imagery, but like, okay, what is it you sell? I'm not sure. I'm not okay. sure. So Interesting. I think those yep. are really important from the customer, like from the customer journey. I have to understand like what it is I'm buying. Yes. And currently in the situation these days in the market, do you see like new buildups? Do you see like, again, optimization or revamp of existing platform? Where is the focus from your perspective? Yeah, well, you know, it's. I think for the smaller brands, for the smaller brands, they had started on other platforms and there's such a migration to Shopify. I mean, it's literally, I would say okay. 90% 90% of the migration, like wow. Shopify, with regard, really? with regard to that, that we're getting. I'm not saying those are the stats yes. in the market. Yes, yes. But we've seen a lot, like everybody has moved off, mainly because, you know, it's sort of like the Android versus the iOS everybody builds for uh, hmm. Shopify first. So there's mm-hmm. more marketing tools. It's really the flexibility. It, it, it ultimately comes down to marketing. Most of the people come okay. down to marketing. And also I think as you advance your business, like you want more e-commerce based tools, like, you know, people who came off Wix or Squarespace. Those aren't mm-hmm. e-commerce platforms. Shopify is an e-commerce platform. I don't have anybody moving like from Shopify to Woo or anything like that. Like we've had Woo to Shopify, like Magento to Shopify. Like we've had Mm -hmm. more of those. Literally it's been like 90% to Shopify. Um, Interesting. Which is interesting what's happening, you know, what's happening in the marketplace, but you know, they are, they are a major player and have, you know, there's so many apps. I think that's it. I think people are drawn with the apps and the capabilities um, for sure. Is it good for agencies or is it bad for agencies? What do you think? In terms of what? In terms of... Um, an, an overall business, right? It traditionally, you know, you would have taken something that the brands themselves could not do. Now Shopify is so dem- democratiza- democratization of the of the e-commerce, right? So, by the yes way, Shopify no. in the latest announcement said that, uh, you know, all the agencies are like their number one priorities and they are like strategic for Shopify businesses in the next five years. Because Shopify just announced, you know, a lot of new 
platform, both for B2B, enterprise, marketplace. So it's quite yeah. a, a more deep integration. For that, but for that straightforward, you know, brand, maybe, you know, up to Shopify advance or so, um, how do you see, you know, the business ev- evolving on the agency side? So the interesting thing is like, you know, they kind of tout the platform as being this DIY. Yeah. That's not really true. I mean, <laughs> okay. you know, you can't get away with doing a lot of this stuff without a developer. So if you have some developing skills, that's true. But, you know, these are templates that people are working with. And if you want any sort of custom you know, a lot of times you can't get exactly what you want without some custom mm-hmm. coding. So like who's sure. doing that custom coding? Yes. I mean, I've done like, you know, like hundreds and hundreds of sites. Like mm-hmm. I can't do everything. I need my developers. Like I'm not a developer myself. I know how to, I know my yes. way around Shopify for sure. But I mm-hmm. like, I know when I have to go to my team and say, Hey, I want these buttons. Like, for example, I'll give you, I'll give you a perfect example of something that people okay. would be able to do. And it drives, it drives me nuts. Um, when so say you have products and they have different lengths in the names right so the price like maybe goes right below everything but Mm -hmm. if you have different lengths of names if one has one line and one has two lines now your buttons like your add to cart buttons are not aligned right your add to Mm -hmm. cart buttons are going to be like this because one is one line and one is two lines drives me nuts i hate the way that looks (laughs) i think it makes it look really sloppy there is no way for you to adjust that if you don't know coding there is no way yeah. So like these are little things like that that I'm saying like these little custom tweaks that you want to do that just mm-hmm. like again I'm all about removing the friction across the site wherever you possibly can. Sure. And to me that's like just a sloppy site. You know, it looks it makes it look sloppier. It it, it slows us down. So those are the things. So from an agency perspective, I don't think we're going away anytime soon personally because I think a lot of it is more intricate that needs to be done. And also from the e-com strategy side, you know, they still need guidance on that. It depends. Like if they start bringing all of that in house, sure. But Mm -hmm. I think there's always need for objective firms, right? That you're not only selling them the same, the same product all the time. Are there things that are outside the Shopify realm that might make more sense? Yes. So I, yes, I still yes. think we have some longevity. I'll retire no, before no, of course. they take over. <laughs> no, I'm okay. You know, so. I mean, transformation, improvement of processes, yeah. innovation is always good, right? So in any in any type of environment. And I want to talk to you about subscription. I know it's yeah. uh, one of the hottest topics. A lot of brands running for subscription, maybe running too fast. And you, you're, you know, you have a lot of experience about around these implementation. So yeah. I would love to have your thoughts on you know, what's working today and what's not. Sure. So yeah, I have 20 years now in subscription, so it's a yeah. long time. I cut my teeth on subscription, <laughs> like uh, when I started yeah. my career. So I know, I know the space really, really well. And one of the biggest things I see now is it does make sense for people to do subscriptions. If you have a product that needs to regularly be restocked, um, you know, so I see more and more people doing it because Shopify does have a whole bunch of apps, you know, that, Mm -hmm. oh, we can do, we can do a subscription and set it up. The challenge is though, they haven't thought through the strategy, right? So we have it up, but in order for you to have a successful subscription business, you need to think about, okay, well, what's our, you know, what's our churn, right? And how do we support the business that we don't have that churn? Mm -hmm. So, is that onboarding process correct? Like, do, 
Do people understand what they need to do, where they need to go, how they change, like say the frequency of their order or the size of their order? Or can they swap items? How clear is that? Do they Are they oriented from the get-go? Like, are you sending them an onboarding email? What are you doing to nurture them in between? Particularly if you're a more expensive item where maybe mm-hmm. I will not be purchasing month to month. How are you nurturing them? So like, yes. do you have, you know, an email drip se- sequence? Do you occasionally send, you know, notes to certain people based on types of products that they purchased? Mm-hmm. Letting them know maybe when things are back in, you know, back in stock, not for an out of stock, but for example, if you have seasonal items and now you want to let those people know. I, what I see is people are just throwing it up there and they're uh-huh. letting it go. And all they're paying <laughs> attention to is like, is recurring revenue coming in? And, or is there card abandonment or did someone cancel, but not really looking into the reasons why. And also what happens on the customer service side, right? And do you need to adjust or tweak something on the customer service side? Because maybe the pack sizes you picked don't make sense Um, that people are continually having issues or, you know, it's coming too fast. Like if you're getting a lot of cancellations or you have a lot of people who are changing Mm -hmm. uh, their frequency, to further out, maybe your pack sizes aren't correct. So like, this is what I'm saying. I don't, th- I think they're just throwing it up there and they're like, oh yeah, okay. We get recurring revenue. And like, uh-huh. it, there's so much more to it. Yes. Um, so this is where I, I see people um, falling down on this today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what are your thoughts? I mean, in terms of implementation or, you know, for, I- I'm talking about D2C versus B2B, right? So on subscription. Yes, I mean, there is any use, there is any differences. Obviously, there are, but what, what is your experience? Um, I think in terms of implementation, I will say, inevitably, when we've had customers try to set it up themselves, they've come to us <laughs> and said we can't get this to go quite right. They're not yeah. super easy, and this is what I'm saying again. It's less in this case about having a developer. Although there are tweaks you're going to want to probably make to to a lot of their um, sure. te- you know the templates that they have, mm-hmm. what what I see where I see people having problems is understanding, you know, do we let them flip from monthly to one time? What does that look like? The setups are a little bit intricate. Like if you don't mm-hmm. know them, um, you know, I hear people all the time. It doesn't matter what platform. It's not the way the platform set them up. They're just they're complex. You have to think about it. There's logic yes. that's involved with these things. Mm-hmm. So that's a little hard on the, on the, I think it's pretty similar on D to C versus B to B. I think it's yes. just the difference of, um, well, you know, obviously you have different sizes that are going out, different frequencies potentially, but it's also, how are you marketing to them? The marketing, um, letting them know what's in, like it may yes. be based on like, their email that goes out to them is like, Hey, do you want to reorder? Right. Mm -hmm. Everything. (laughs) So like there's the marketing is different, right? Because hopefully your B2B client is ordering monthly and you want to make sure that they're going back and ordering like that entire list monthly. So, um, but I think from an implementation, it's pretty, it's pretty similar. We, Yes. We get a lot of calls about subscriptions. Even if like okay. we came in after the fact that they had installed a subscription, mm-hmm. they're like, Hey, uh, can you look at this? Cause this doesn't look right. <laughs> so like it happens, it happens a lot. It's not as I, I wish they were easier. They're not, they're not. Yeah. And in general about B2B, I mean, how do you assess this opportunity right now? We know it's getting huge, right? Bigger and bigger. For a subscription. 
No, no, in general, in general, in general. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because we were talking about live shopping earlier. I think one of the uh, biggest areas of inquiry we get right now is with live shopping for B2B. Okay. And not on D2C. And I think there's a reason for that. I think the reason is because they're viewing it as a sales tool and D2C views it as a marketing tool. And Mm -hmm. so if you think of the B2B side, because they could use it for let's go out to wholesale, right? You know, we don't have to get on a plane. We can now market all of our items to a buyer, a bunch of buyers at the same time, right? If we want to do the Mm -hmm. one to many, Uh, many of the platforms have the uh, one to one, so they could just do it there and and purchase directly. But having all of that on the same screen at the same time, it's, I mean, it's like taking a purchase order, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're getting rid of Mm -hmm. the purchase order Mm -hmm. and putting it right in. So it's very compelling to them because, and they can account for it because it's a, it's a selling tool. It's a little bit of an easier sell than it is on the marketing side where live shopping is a newer channel. It's sitting in experimental dollars. It doesn't have its own, you know, it's not like social media where there's a budget for it, a dedicated budget. It's still kind of people are playing with it. So, but it's interesting. I'm seeing like even industries as, you know, white as like, insurance i mean you're thinking really that's not like an yeah um wow because they're looking at it as you know because we we know the call to action doesn't have to be you know um shopping but it's something transaction based so what's transactional for them download a white paper you know book an appointment Mm -hmm. um you know give us your email address and you get xyz whatever the case is so they could use it as more um like a conference informing, get more information and then, you know, push people to um, either appointments to uh, physical brick and mortar, depending what it is. So I'm seeing more clients either use it from a, a wholesale, sending it mm-hmm. uh, wholesale or industries that like more like the insurance where they're like, hey, we could use it um, in wow. a different sense. Yeah. Interesting. It's- and I think B2B are using uh, live shopping not only for as you say, for, for immediate conversion, but also for training, education, customer support, you know, variety of other use cases. Yeah. They're using it a lot of different ways. Like, cause in a way I feel like the live shopping is a misnomer because it's really like, it's something transactional in some mm-hmm. way, right. With content as the core. So yep. what is the, you know, if the training is like, okay, get this information, right. The content is there. Like people are using it. Like I always say it's like, it's like a zoom with better content and a commerce component, <laughs> yeah. like in a transactional component, right? Like, so, yeah. but it is because you can have, right. We have the chat function. If you think about zoom, right. We have, we're talking to one another, right. Yeah. So that's the content. But again, this would be like elevated. And then mm-hmm. you have the community where they can talk directly to us or they talk to one another, same yes. piece. The mm-hmm. only, the only other aspect that we're adding in would be something transactional, like do this, get this mm-hmm. right whatever. So, so it's very similar. Like that's, I, I usually use the zoom uh, example better than the QVC because to me, QVC is kind of like blockbuster or Zagat, you know, where they should have been the leader in the field and they're not, they're trailing. Um, So, and I have a lot of respect for QVC because they look, you know, they, they opened up this whole space Yes. But I really thought that they would have been one of the first ones out there to do this. Yeah. And they're still yeah. strong. It's getting stronger and stronger. It's unbelievable. You know, their financials and performance. It's, uh, yeah, I guess there's a market for that. Yeah. It's a different, it's a different demographic. 
you know, it's definitely a different demographic because, you know, when you look at like Gen Z, you know, is Gen Z going there? Like they're not mm-hmm. spending a lot of no, time. Of course not. Like, yeah, no. they're, that's not where they're it's spending It's a different demographics altogether, of course, completely right. different. But, you know, you have to evolve for the times, right? You have to meet people on the platforms that they prefer. Yes. And when you look at Gen Z, you look at Gen Alpha. I mean, my kids are Gen Alpha. They don't even know what the heck, you know, um, appointment viewing television is. Um, the other day we were watching something and a commercial came on and my kid was like, what is that? I said, Oh, it's a commercial. And she's like, what's a commercial? (laughs) Like she didn't know what a commercial is. She's eight years old. And I said, like, you know, I said, you know, you get them like when you're watching like your iPad and she goes, Oh, you mean an ad? Like she didn't know the difference between like what a commercial and like what an ad was like popping up on (laughs) YouTube. But like she had never heard the word commercial before. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, this no, is what we're, no. this is what we're talking about. These are people. These are the cord nevers, right? Like they're not cord cutters. Mm-hmm. These are people who've never been on live TV, yep. on appointment yep. viewing television, right? They haven't. Mm-hmm. Everything is VOD for them. So, if that's the case, like, how do you cater to that audience, right? Like, how do you you have to be on different platforms? Yes. So interesting. Yeah. Liz, how do you see the market evolving the e-commerce space? You know, in the next few years some of the key trends that you see? So I am not bullish on metaverse. I know that was okay. like the big thing. Like this year is the AI talk. Like what was it like two years ago? It was the metaverse talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have a long way to go on that. Um, most people I know don't know what a wallet is, where to get it or anything along those lines. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's there. The usability, unless you grew like, unless you're a gamer or you grew up like my kids, like we don't know how to navigate the, um, you know, the metaverse. I just mm-hmm. think that one's harder. Personally, I'm more bullish on things like, you know, AR, VR becoming Great. more commonplace, digital mm-hmm. storefronts. I do think, um, you know, we'll probably move into like digital malls and things along those lines where people can search for some really beautiful um, digital stores out there. One of the ones I love is Obsess, the brand Obsess. I think they are doing such a fantastic job. Yes. Um, yeah. If you've ever seen their virtual stores. Yes. Um, I mean, more so, immersive experiences. Yes. Yeah. I do mm-hmm. think that's there. Um, and at some point, will it evolve to like a VR? Sure. Is it tomorrow or the next five mm-hmm. years? Not necessarily. But I do think more and more um, experiences will probably go online um but not totally online i don't believe like i still think people want you know some connection and like even the younger audiences you know i know like they're very much in their phone and things like that but they do crave it i mean we saw that during covid right like they suffered the most because they didn't have the social interaction so i do i I don't think that's going away i know there was like big talk of that for a while i i I don't think that's the case but um (laughs) yeah but in terms of you know e-commerce, I do think people are going to look into more. Um, certainly the shoppable video, why not? It's so easy. They're already generating yep. the video. I think mm-hmm. it's a no-brainer, the shoppable video, for everyone to move towards. Yep. Um, yeah. And then I would say, I think more video, like I keep telling all my clients today, less text. You know, everything that they have on the site, I'm like, you got to take it down. Um how much text is there. It's all Mm -hmm. going to be about image and video. I mean, look at people's social media feeds now. It's almost like completely video, completely video. Um, Very few images anymore. 
And so like, that's where it's going because it tells a story, right? It's, it's way more production. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I mean, yes. I get it. it's hard. It's really hard. And I, I feel bad for all those like social teams. Cause it's so, I mean, think about it. You know, a few years ago, you used to be able to get away with a beautiful image. Now there's so mm-hmm. much more that has to go behind it. Like creating those videos or gifts or whatever you want to do. I mean, yeah. so I don't touch that stuff, but I feel for those people, man, that's a hard <laughs> job. That's a hard yeah. job. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Liz, thank you so much. It was so helpful. Thank you for all the experience, passion for the industry. Anything else you want to add? I don't know. Um, okay. I mean, I think, I think mostly I want to just tell people, you know, if you haven't looked at your site in a while, you know, either you do it or um, you have someone who hasn't touched your site and have them mm-hmm. walk through in front of you and see where they're having trouble. Because I think so, like, we're so invested in our own sites and we've seen it, like, you know, you don't see stuff anymore. There might be a spot on the wall in your house and you don't mm-hmm. see it because like, it's just been there for so long. And the fact is like, if you have someone else go through it, like you need to see your site with new eyes. Um, and I think yes. that's where you're going to see a lot of those UX UI issues that you're not running into. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I would just like, please don't leave money on the table, please. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. Don't leave money, increase AOVs. There are plenty of things that can be optimized. Yes. yes. Please. Where is the best place for people to find you? Sure. So they can find me on LinkedIn. So it's Elizabeth Kressel um, mm-hmm. or, you know, my company is Lizard Strategy. So lizardstrategy.com. Great. And we put all the information in the show notes. Again, Liz, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure to hosting you here. No, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Bye-bye. See you soon. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Your support means the world to us. If today's episode has been insightful for you, consider sharing it with someone who would also benefit. Even one share can make a big difference. Looking to elevate your e-commerce game? Discover Vimy, a multi-channel e-commerce platform that will transform your business with the power of shoppable video. Visit us at vimy.net to learn more. It's vimy, V-I-M-M-I Thank you for being part of our journey. Stay tuned for more invaluable insights in our next episode.